It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Pascal Siakam makes his return to Toronto tonight, and the Raptors are surely going to learn exactly how much they miss him. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, February the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to the lovely listeners out there. You're all my very, very favorites and you're the very best and you can, uh, you know, just be mine, etc, etc, all that good stuff. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. Maybe I should introduce myself before sending you Valentine's Unwarranted. Either way, uh, I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can follow my work over on the website that's very bad, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And, of course, you can join us in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server where you can send me your NBA Toronto Raptors-related Valentine's puns. And I will be so, so delighted if that happens. The link to join the Discord is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join. And we would love to see you in there. It's a great little spot to hang out amongst the sickos, just like you who can't get enough of this here podcast. You can find this here podcast on your favorite podcast app of choice. You can follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, et cetera, et cetera. And we are, of course, always on YouTube as well. You can go to the video feed on the YouTube channel, subscribe. We're getting so close to 4,000 subs. Let's get us there by the end of the week, maybe, huh? A Valentine's Day gift to me would be so, so nice. You can go and uh, subscribe over there. Hit the little notification bell, and you'll miss you never miss an episode because you get a notification whenever the show is premiering or going live, which is a great thing. Uh, let's get to it. On today's show, we're talking about Pascal Siakam returning to Toronto tonight. And then we've got some mailbag questions from you, the lovely Discord listeners, later on. Again, if you want questions answered on mailbag episodes, the Discord is the place to be for that. So go and do that, would you? Join us. Ask questions. Put them in the mailbag chat. But we have questions from those who have already been converted coming up later today. We should start, however, with the main topic du jour, which is Pascal Siakam making what will surely not be at all an emotional return to Toronto tonight. I'm not going to cry. You're going to cry and all of that. Uh, and look, I, I think the Raptors should maybe be pretty scared of what Pascal Siakam might do to them tonight. Uh, as far as the injury report goes, it seems like Tyrese Halliburton's a maybe for playing in this game. RJ Barrett also a maybe for personal reasons. We'll see. Um, and ultimately, I think this could be a game in which Pascal Siakam very much reminds the Raptors faithful, reminds the Toronto Raptors of how bloody good at basketball he is and maybe illuminates just where he could have been useful or helpful 
to this reimagined version of the team recentered around Scotty Barnes. Of course, you know, this is the drum I was beating going into the trade deadline, going into the trade of Siakam that I think as opposed to just getting Bruce Brown and eventually Kelly Olynyk and a couple of picks for Pascal Siakam, why not keep the very good two-time NBA player, pay him the money to keep him around and have him be part of the solution going forward? Obviously, we're not going to relitigate the trade here. I know the reasons why they made the move they did, financially speaking, and there are positive things to come out of not paying Pascal Siakam this summer. But we have seen over the last little while, not having Pascal on this team has just bottomed out the floor for this team. The floor used to be, all right, pretty competitive, even though they lose a lot of games, whatever. The floor now is get absolutely shellacked every other night, which is not exactly what you want, as they say. Since the Pascal Siakam trade, just to illuminate how much they miss Pascal, 28th in the NBA in point differential, routinely getting shellacked by 20-plus points. I believe uh, only the Charlotte Hornets, or I think they're tied with the Hornets since the Siakam trade in terms of number of games lost by 20 or more points. That is not company you want to be keeping. And frankly, this Raptors team, even without Pascal Siakam, is far too talented to be in that sort of pit of despair level of performance alongside your Charlotte Hornets and your skeleton Memphis Grizzlies of the world. It's kind of been pathetic what the Raptors have done in a lot of these games. There have obviously been good games where there have been positive signs and, and exciting things to get jazzed about, but also a lot of games where it's just looked completely rudderless. And as it turns out, Pascal Siakam was largely the rudder by which this team moved around and got to its high-end ceiling and the floor of at least passable competitiveness. And they clearly missed that. Also, like, they just don't do a lot of the things that used to make this team kind of able to game the numbers a little bit. Uh, you know, their offense has fallen off precipitously since the trade, obviously. But beyond that, their transition attack, which for the most part this season has been one of the one or two best transition attacks in all of basketball, both by efficiency and by frequency, that's fallen a little bit now to where they're just kind of barely on the top 10 Berkeley in the glass since the Siakam trade when it comes to transition efficiency and transition frequency. And that is not good enough for this team to sort of make good and paper over the offensive issues they've had and let, not on top of the horrible defensive problems they've had where they've been an absolute mess. You know, it all kind of bleeds from that Siakam move. Their transition game just doesn't have the same potency because Siakam was one of the best transition players in all of basketball. So we're seeing the ways in which they're missing Siakam. And again, this is something the front office signed on for. I understand this is a learning process. There's time that, you know, for this all to get sorted out, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that the sort of overall competitiveness of the team has been severely sapped by the trade. And if you're trying to build a, a sort of, cohesive vision of a team around scotty barnes you're trying to give scotty barnes the keys i still maintain that pascal siakam would have been very helpful in trying to do that as a supplementary scorer when scotty doesn't have it when the matchups aren't there pascal can just go to work and get you buckets that's an incredibly valuable thing that they no longer have access to um you know it's it just there was a lot of stuff that siakam did to kind of lift this group up and i still maintain the siakam barnes quickly barrett quartet that looked bloody fantastic for four games before injury and trades and everything 
ruined it and gave us only those four games to lean on for the rest of time for the crowd that wanted to see that group kept together to sort of bake and grow a little bit together. Um, you know, I, I just think Siakam clearly showed in that stretch that he could have been valuable to this team as they pivoted to recentering things around Scotty Barnes. You could have had it both is what I'm saying. Either way, not to stick here and relitigate it, but I do think tonight will be a pretty good reminder of how bloody good Pascal Siakam is at basketball. And that is because the Toronto Raptors do not have anyone to guard Pascal Siakam. This could be ugly. You know, I'm sure they'll send, they've been a little more sort of liberal with the way they send extra help and stuff in recent weeks uh, in, in sort of how they've de defended opposing teams. Maybe they just double team Siakam, a bunch of Halliburton's unavailable and they try to take him out of the game that way. But as far as individual guys to guard Pascal Siakam, the Raptors are now much like the Kings were during Siakam's time with the Raptors or the Hawks or the old version of the Pacers where they're just one of these teams that has absolutely nobody to stick with Pascal Siakam in open space and give him a hard time. And I feel like we could be in for a pretty special Siakam performance, maybe a little revitalized and energized, you know, going up against his old team and just having a bunch of defenders in front of him who don't got a shot to stop him, this could be kind of a nasty return revenge game for Pascal. And frankly, I'd love that for him. Uh, it's it's well-earned after the team sort of played around with his future for six months going into the trade and left him hanging all summer long. It would be, I think, a very, very earned revenge game if Siakam comes in and does the thing that he's done plenty of times to opposing teams as a Toronto Raptor, where he eviscerates teams that just don't have a guy with a hope in hell of staying in front of him. That, I think, is very much on the table for tonight. Um, and, you know, look, I hope the uh, the response for Siakam, I, I have no doubt that it's going to be uproariously positive. I feel like it's going to be probably even more so than Fred. Obviously, the Fred departure was a little bit weird. He wasn't playing in that game Friday with the Rockets as well, so that probably dampened the mood a little bit too. Um, but I think Siakam, it sounds like they're going to honor him during the startup starting lineup intros, unlike what they did with Fred, where they gave him the first break, uh, sort of treatment. Uh, I'm curious as to what the decision-making was there, but I'm glad he's going to get that moment before the game as he's being introduced to properly get the, the ovation and the recognition he deserves get there early. I think the Scotty Barnes all-star nod thing is also going on tonight as well. Um, so lots of pregame festivities for you to be in the house for. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an emotional one, man. I look, is, is it going to make me a little bit of like a happy sicko if Siakam comes out and drops 40 on the Raptors and I can just be like, I told you so. Yeah, it will. Uh, it's nice being right about stuff. Uh, <laughs> and so I, am I rooting for that? Maybe a little bit. We'll see. But uh, I think one way or another, it might be out of my control. Siakam might just cook anyway because the Raptors ain't got the dudes to stop them. So we'll come back on the other side and we will get into your mailbag questions put the pascal stuff to bed for now we'll talk about pascal of course on tomorrow's episode of the podcast i'm sure as uh one of the bads will likely be uh the raptors got no one to guard pascal siakam they can bank on it that's a prediction for tomorrow's podcast content already um but we'll uh, get into that and cross that bridge when we get to it let's get to some mailbag questions coming up on the other side before we do that however Today's show is sponsored by Hungry Root. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. All you got to do with Hungry Root is take a short, 
fun quiz and Hunger Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and so much more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Sometimes you buy all this veg and it's like, what am I going to do with all this veg? I have one idea for it. Do I have other ideas for the leftover veg? Now, no more wasted veg. Hunger Root's going to give you all sorts of recipes to put those groceries to use so you're not having food waste, which is just the worst thing in the world. Hunger Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal taste, but each order is fully customizable as well. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and so much more. And right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. That's right, free veggies for life. That is absolutely huge. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, digging into the mailbag now as we trudge along here with your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out. Let's dive in to those questions. And, and off the top, let's get to this question from Skip to My Lou in the Discord, a regular Discord user, asking, what are the challenges of having a first-year head coach and emerging star both learning at the same time? Of course, re in reference to Scotty Barnes and Darko Ryakovich. And look, this week is a pretty good time for this question, considering Scotty Barnes left the game on Monday against the Spurs early. Uh, this is not something we talked about on Monday's podcast because we too left that game early and started recording before the game finished. So we missed the Scotty Barnes leaving early thing. And it doesn't sound like any sort of supplemental discipline is coming down from the team for Scotty Barnes with this one, which is interesting considering the precedent that you would think they set back, I think, in the Tampa season where Siakam got a one-game suspension for leaving the bench early in a game. This was kind of at the peak of the Siakam-Nick Nick, Nick Nurse feud and all the bad stuff going on in that Tampa season. And Siakam got the one-game suspension. Scotty Barnes does not get the one-game suspension. And look, I know you might want to look at that and say, well, that's a weird sort of double standard. I think it's fine to alter your handling of player discipline based on the player. Everyone responds to things differently. Is Scotty Barnes someone who's going to respond well to getting suspended for a game? I'm not sure. Is it in the Raptors' interest to suspend Scotty Barnes for a game where every game left in this season feels valuable to the learning experience of becoming a number one? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it was addressed in all that much depth per Darko and Scotty Barnes. It sounds like there was a conversation had maybe, but it doesn't seem like it went anything beyond that. 
Scotty leaving the like in reference to Scotty leaving the game Monday. So I I don't know. It's tough, but this is like the example of the challenge of having a first year coach with a star player who's learning his way. And I think it was complicated this year as well. This whole dynamic by the way the Raptors went about this season, where Scotty was going to be their golden child, but they also had Siakam still on the team and OG still on the team, and they were still sorting things out and collecting information, et cetera, et cetera even though it seems as though their decision specifically with Pascal was telegraphed from the beginning of the season and what information were they actually gathering? Was any information going to change their plans going forward? My guess right now is probably not. And so you gave this insane hand for Darko Ryakovich to deal with. You thrust upon the keys to the franchise to Scotty Barnes in the middle of an already losing season where the vibes aren't awesome and you're asking them to go figure it out right now. I think that's a tough spot to put both guys in, obviously. And so I think the front office bears a little bit of front, a bit of the blame here for the clunkiness, perhaps, of the transition from the Pascal OG era of the team to the Scotty Barnes version of the team. It'd be nice if you just went into this season as the stated goal of, all right, this is Scotty's team now. We've made our decisions on Pascal and OG. And, you know, we can't do that, go back and do that now. But, you know, in hindsight, that looks like a pretty clear misstep from the front office as far as going into the season with the clear defined vision to make everything easier for everybody. And, you know, I know there's a lot of calls for Darko's head and, oh, you know, Jordy Fernandez would have gotten more out of this team or, uh, you know, Darko's just not it as a head coach. He's a he's a coordinator. He's not a coach. He does, you know, all this stuff. I don't think we can properly judge anything from Darko Ryakovich this season, frankly, because the hand he's been dealt is like a 7-2 offsuit in poker. What are you supposed to do with that? Can you expect someone to turn that into grand winnings in a big pot? No, you can't. Maybe they do. Maybe they make lemonade out of grapefruits or whatever the phrase I've used before earlier this season with Darko. Uh, you know, maybe they do that and it's amazing and it's a wonderful success story, but the lack of a wonderful success story this year does not imply that Darko doesn't know what he's doing. And I think Darko's done a lot of really good stuff. I think he's a very great offensive mind. And up until the last couple of weeks where they lost Pascal Siakam and their offense is very much kind of back into the rediscovering phase of its growth together, you know, there were some seriously promising offensive developments going on with this team. Even before the OG trade, that team that had no spacing and was pretty clunky in the starting five was not good, was figuring things out on offense and climbing up the half court offensive rating charts. Uh, we, we know that, you know, once they brought in quickly and Barrett, the offense was blisteringly hot there for a hot second before the injuries and the trade took place. And Darko was very clearly instilled a mindset into how this team plays offense that has stuck. That has been there. I don't think they've lost the messaging or anything like that. The defensive stuff. Yeah. I don't feel like this team has a defensive identity. Darko is part of that, but I also think that the team does not have a ton of defensive talent. And the especially like the winged defense on this team is just not there. Their perimeter defense is just not there. What could you expect from Darko Ryakovich in terms of implementing a sound defensive system here when this season has been totally in flux? So it's going to require patience with Scotty and with Darko. This is just the deal. And you're seeing over the last little while to answer the question from Skip to my Lou, these are the challenges. It's the up and down, the oscillations of performance night to night, the inconsistency. It's the, um, you know, maybe Scotty's still trying to figure out his comfort level, seizing the reins of the team. That's part of the, the sort of maturation process. It's the leadership stuff, right? It's Scotty Barnes realizing he can't walk off the bench late in the game and have that not be a thing. That's just going to be a thing 
with the way the NBA gets covered now. And it should be a thing. Like, you shouldn't leave the bench early in a game. You shouldn't do that. And so it's a learning process. And, you know, you'll hear me repeat this a whole lot. This is not the path I personally would have decided to walk down if I were the Raptors' front office. But they're smarter than me. They know more about basketball than I will ever know. And they'll forget more by noon than I will ever know. And that's fine. But this is the path. And there has to be patience here for both Darko and Scotty, as frustrating as it can be in the moment when Darko's not, you know, implementing a good defense and the defense is not seemingly responding to any sort of instruction or Scotty Barnes is struggling with the burden of being the number one. It's all part of the deal here. But those challenges, like we've seen them bear out. There are no surprises as far as what challenges lie ahead. We've seen what the challenge is, and we'll see how the Raptors sort through them as we go forward here. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at on this question of Scotty and Darko both being in first. It's a tough spot for both guys to be in. Doesn't mean you move on from them. Doesn't mean you, you pass up hope and sort of throw all your optimism for the long term out the door. It just requires some patience because first year guys, uh, you know, whether stepping into a brand new role in the first year or in a new head coaching job, it's not all going to be clear and crystallized after one season, especially one season where it's been so fragmented and fractured and non-linear in terms of the arc of the year. Just a tough one to evaluate top to bottom. And again, I think that goes back to the front office for once again, not learning from their mistake of last year of having so much uncertainty coming into this year with even more uncertainty and how that sort of bleeds into the beats and rhythms of the season that you'd hopefully like to establish as a team looking to build from something. So that's where my answer is on that one, I guess. Uh, we got a couple more questions to get to, and we will get to those coming up on the other side. Actually, no, let's get to this one here first, because I think this falls under the reaction to the Scotty Barnes stuff. This one comes from our pal Duncan asking, why do you think Raptors fans are absolutely irrational and sane on social media? Uh, and my answer to this is, all fans are, right? Like every fan base has its insane corners. That's just being a fan of a sports team online. Everyone is out to be right. There's not really a whole lot of like productive conversation to be had, which is fine. It's sports. It ultimately doesn't really matter as long as you're not getting weird and personal with it, which some people decidedly like to do. And that's when it becomes pretty unfun to be following a team and interacting with it online. Um, you know, I don't think Raptors fans are special in this. I think every fan base has its unhinged corners. And I think as the sort of coverage of star players has gotten more like black and white and less about the nuance of where star players fit into the context, it's gotten so, so like adversarial like there's people who are the stands and the people who are the anti stands and then that becomes a whole thing this happens with every fan base and i don't think the raptors are special now we just see the raptors stuff more because we're part of raptors internet um that said like it would be nice to have a little bit more of an even keel with this stuff right like i don't love the way things went down with scotty barnes on in that game on monday i don't love some of the things we've seen from scotty barnes in the leadership role for this team so far but that's also, he's 22 years old and guys come along and figure things out and mature at different rates. And that is something we have to allow space for. If you wanted this Raptors team to go and rebuild, you have to have patience for it. I didn't even want them to go and rebuild, but I now know that you have to have patience for it and let the thing play out the way it's going to play out because there's not instant gratification when you're following a basketball team. It's just not how it works, especially when that team is skewed around 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. 
it's going to take time. It's going to take building. It's going to take many, many lumps. And we could all stand to react to every little thing just a smidge less like, uh, oh, like it's the end of the world, right? Like it, it, it's just every little thing does not need to be a massive talking point. And I know that's the business I personally am in. I can't throw stones from a glass house too strongly here because I talk about this stuff and have reactions every day. But overall, like it's just there's a bigger picture than just what's happening in front of you right now. And when you zoom out two, three, four years from now, we're not going to think about that Scotty Barnes game where he walked off the court to end the game. How often do we think about that Pascal Siakam game? I hadn't thought about it in years until it was mentioned this week in relation to the Scotty Barnes thing. These things pass. These things don't have to be indicative of a player's, you know, ability to be a, a, you know, a star player or a leader or whatever it might be. These things can just be things that happen. And I think the general sort of insanity of online fans is just the overreactions to every little thing as though it matters. Not everything matters. And I guess that's my nihilistic approach to covering a basketball team. And hopefully you can all be just as nihilistic as me. None of it matters. It's fine. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll round it up with a couple of more listener questions to close things out in just one moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is all about is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed okay we round out the show here on your wednesday teeing up the raptors game against the pacers tonight which uh again will be very emotionally charged i'm sure and rounding out with a few listener questions from you the good folks who sent them in from the discord uh this next question comes in from also our friend duncan asking last year i asked if gary was even a top 30 shooting guard in the league. You and Jamar Hines, if I recall, thought he was. Do you still think he is? Look, I don't know. <laughs> like Gary Trent Jr. is, it feels like the type of guy, you know, 30 shooting guards is a lot of shooting guards, right? Like that's, it's a deep pool. If you're going 30 shooting guards and you're going all around the league, that's like, I guess asking is Gary Trent Jr. a top 150 player in the league, maybe top 200 as shooting guards tend to maybe not be the type of players who are the best players on teams. They're maybe more of a sort of role player at this point in terms of how teams are constructed and in terms of positional importance. So let's even extend it up to like, let's assume a top 30 shooting guard is a top 225 player in the NBA. Do I think Gary Trent Jr. is a top 225 player? probably 
but barely like the three-point shooting is real right like he's a 39 40 percent three-point shooter and can do it on high volume and has done it with starting lineups plenty in the past i also don't know what else gary Trent jr really does to affect winning and that is where the sort of you know the, the ranking of him probably comes into question I, it's tough you know do I think a team starting Gary Trent Jr., maybe this is the better way to phrase it, like can a team starting Gary Trent Jr. at the two guard be like a serious playoff team? I mean, depends on the team context, of course. If you have loaded stars at every other spot, then sure, why not? Gary Trent Jr. could be a trigger man for you. Maybe he's sheltered defensively or whatever. On this team, I do think the Raptors are probably going to be looking at upgrading the Gary Trent Jr. spot before any other spot on this team. And they might just do that within this season with starting somebody else in the, whether it's Kelly Olenek or Grady Dick, not saying Grady Dick is better than Gary Trent Jr. right now, because he's not, he's still a child. As Darko Ryakovich said, he came in looking 16. Now he's looking 17 and a half. Maybe you can say he's looking 18 after the game he had a couple nights ago against the Spurs. Either way, he's still got some room to grow here, but long-term he projects as someone who could be an upgrade over Gary Trent Jr. And so I guess that's sort of, as opposed to putting him in the silo of like a top 30 shooting guard, I could go through all starting shooting guards for the NBA teams and say where he ranked. He's probably in the bottom five or so. Um, you know, he's probably better than a lot of bench shooting guards. He's probably best suited as a bench shooting guard who can be one of the top 30 shooting guards without starting as well. I think it's probably pretty borderline. Ultimately, though, the bigger question here is, is Gary Trent Jr. part of the long-term plans for this team? And each day that goes by, I get a little less sure of that. I thought, you know, the way he performed with the starting lineup to begin with, you know, in January after the Siakam trade, pretty encouraging stuff. But the defense is the thing I keep coming back to. And if this Raptors team wants to do anything in the future, defense is going to have to be a thing they add to this group and athleticism and size and length. And Gary Trent Jr. feels like the way to upgrade on that. If you have RJ Barrett as your starting two guard, great. He's clearly a top 30 shooting guard in the league if he's a quote unquote shooting guard. And you have Scotty Barnes as your three or your four, and you can get another long, sort of versatile wing in there alongside them. That to me is the best construction for this team. And so I am, uh, you know, we'll see. Obviously, it's hard to find big, versatile wing types, but I do think at this point, Gary Trent Jr. does not to me look like a long term fixture for this team. Grady Dick can probably step in and give you 70, 80% of great, uh, Gary Trent Jr. right now with maybe a little bit more in terms of stuff that fits into a darker Ryakovich scheme in terms of quick playmaking, making the next pass, et cetera. Not a thing Gary Trent Jr. has ever been good at, has never shown signs of growth in those departments either. And I'm rooting for Gary Trent Jr. He seems like a cool guy. He's been around a long time. He's been a long-serving member of this team. But as far as like, does he fit into long-term plans? I think with each day, it becomes a little more clear that no, probably not. You can replace his skill set as easily as you can replace any skill set in the NBA. Malik Beasley was a minimum signing in the summer. One-dimensional three-point shooters who don't offer much defense. Those are a dime a dozen in the NBA these days. And I think the Raptors can probably find their Gary Trent Jr. replacement on the margins or just level up Grady Dick's uh, you know, room and, and usage and all that stuff and probably get a similar set of results as well. So it sucks. It's not, I don't love it, but... That's kind of where I'm at on the whole Gary Trent Jr. thing. This next question here comes from Ben Chapman asking, who is the ideal young-ish star, maybe like 27 and under, that could conceivably be moved in the next three years who you want to be paired with Scotty when it's go time? This is a great question. This is also uh, an unhinged question because it requires us to look very far into the future, look at 
multiple years of playoff failures for opposing teams and try to pick stars who become disgruntled, et cetera, et cetera. I think like the pie in the sky, absolute dream player the Toronto Raptors could hope in the next few years, maybe he gets disgruntled, is looking for a move, is like Devin Booker. The Suns feel like they have a short window here. And if it doesn't work out and the Suns need to go recoup all the stuff they've traded to build this team they have, maybe Devin Booker becomes a guy who starts looking elsewhere. And, you know, if you have an Emmanuel quickly, if you have other players you can put into a deal to go get Devin Booker on top of all your picks, maybe you can get right in that conversation with if you're the Raptors. And man, oh man, would Devin Booker and Scotty Barnes be an absolutely electric duo with one another, just like a super duper duper charged version of what you hope quickly and Barnes can become. And obviously Booker's a little bit bigger, a little bit better of a defender, uh, just like a really proven winning player at this point. So he's like my ultimate dream, probably never going to come within a thousand yards of happening. But that is sort of the like, oh, wow, wouldn't that be pretty sweet if Devin Booker was someone the Raptors could go and bring in to pair with Scotty Barnes. Um, as far as more like realistic targets, you know, I think Mikal Bridges is one. If you get into the summer and, you know, I know there's going to be plenty of competition for his services, but you have surplus picks. You have interesting players you can include in deals going back. I wonder if Mikal Bridges becomes someone that the Raptors look at. Um, you know, uh, you know, is he a star? Maybe not, but does he fit next to a Scotty Barnes led team? A hundred percent. He does. He'd be a perfect fit at the three between Barrett and quickly. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at there. Beyond that, you're looking kind of into the future, right? And trying to foresee, you know, the Wolves, for example, like Carl Anthony Towns. I know everyone doesn't like Carl Anthony Towns and he doesn't do himself any favors, but that'd be a pretty fun one. If you could go and scoop yourself a Carl Anthony Towns this summer, if the Wolves flame out in round one or two and they have to go shed money because they're the most expensive team of all time, all of a sudden, maybe Carl Anthony Towns becomes someone you can target with that Bruce Brown contract plus picks to go and bring him in. And obviously that changes what you do with Jakob Pertl. But, you know, Towns and Scotty Barnes seems like a pretty fun duo on court, you know, leadership wise and all that. We'll see uh, winning mentality and gumption, et cetera, et cetera. Still TBD on Scotty's end. We know where things are at with Carl Anthony Towns there. But pure talent wise, man, oh, man, that would be a pretty sweet combination as well. So I have my eyes on him a little bit this summer. If the Raptors are looking to sort of play the take advantage of expensive teams having to cut money game. Um, which I think they're very much in position to do with the way they've set themselves up with their books. So yeah, I, I think those are kind of some some names to throw out there. There's probably more names that I'm not thinking of right now, but that is a good question from our pal Ben. We'll round this out. Last question. Uh, if I didn't get to your question in the, in the mailbag, I apologize. I'll either answer it in the chat or keep it in the queue for another mailbag show down the line. And this one comes from our pal Loquacious Drew asking, which reoccurring guest in your pod would walk off with 30 seconds left in the pod? Uh, and the answer is, is like, I feel like Vivek and Katie are both used to me and my loudness and my general sort of existence enough that they wouldn't leave early. My thinking is maybe like Joel Wolfond, our dear pal Joel Wolfond, who's like the nicest man in the world. Um, you know, but maybe we get into a disagreement over, uh, I don't know, something. Joe's usually smarter than I am and is on to things quicker than I am. So maybe I hold back and, you know, I'm not quite buying into what he's selling me on some sort of important detail with the Toronto Raptors. And he decides to walk out because he's just not convincing me of his probably correct position. That's probably the answer here. Joe Wolfond uh, gets mad at me because I refuse to accept that. Oh, I don't know. Uh, 
God, I don't, I don't even know what the example is, but Wolflon came to mind because sometimes when we text, he disagrees with me quite a bit. Uh, but that's fun. That's the part of talking hoop with Joe Wolfon is, uh, you know, we don't always agree, but we always have a good time talking one way or another. All right, that'll do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Very much appreciate you. Um, if you didn't get your question answered, we will get to it at another date, I'm sure, on the podcast as we got lots of stuff and ground to cover in the months to come. There's going to be a lot of dead days when the Raptors are inevitably not in the playoffs, so we'll have lots of room for mailbags, probably weekly mailbags once we get into the offseason. So uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Bring your tissues. Hope you don't cry too much watching Pascal eviscerate the Toronto Raptors. I know I will be, so you'll have a partner in crying. Uh, but either way, thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend about the podcast. It's always appreciated when you go ahead and do that. Uh, we're on YouTube, of course. Subscribe there. Push us towards 4,000 subs. That's much appreciated. And we will talk to you again on Thursday to break down Raptors Pacers with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.